Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Picture Must Be Doing Something Right podcast. I'm Joseph and I'm going to be talking through in this episode the final five nominees for Best Picture for the 95th Academy Awards, which are going to be uh, the ceremony for which is going to be this Sunday. I'm recording on the Friday or Monday if you're in the UK is when the ceremony is going to be because it's usually in the middle of the night and I don't think I'm going to be staying up for it this year. Um, if you want to hear reviews of the other five films nominated for Best Picture this year, so um, we've just done an episode on Tar, Top Gun Maverick, we've done Banshees of Sheeran, we've done Everything Everywhere All at Once and All Quiet on the Western Front. We've recorded extended analysis episodes of those and they're all up on the uh, on the pages on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you want to go back and listen to them, then feel free. But today we're going to be talking about the final five nominees, which we haven't had time to look at in depth. And they are Avatar, The Way of Water, Elvis, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking and The Fablemans. And we're going to kick things off with looking at Avatar, The Way of Water, the much anticipated sequel to the 2009 film, which smashed all kinds of box office records. And um, we're back in Pandora was it 13 years later um and it is once again another epic film from james cameron the uh oscar-winning director of titanic and the first film was also nominated for best picture and almost one didn't quite just lost out to the hurt locker and uh the film's also written by james cameron as well as Vic jaffa and amanda silver and the film stars uh, sam worthington zoe sardana sigourney weaver uh, kate winslet and um, several others as well. Um, and yeah, in a combination of sort of some voice, more, more voice kind of performance and some, um, some sort of, uh, yeah, between the two of live action and animated, it does, it does appear like an animated film because it's so visual effects heavy, um, which has its positives and its negatives. I mean, as as a film, you go into it expecting a real visual experience, and you certainly get that. Um, but I've never really got Avatar. I mean, the first one was really amazing for its time. Um, we hadn't really seen anything like this before in terms of a visual heavy film, and um, the effects were stunning, and it, it it was deserving of the number of Oscars that it received because. At the time, it was like out of this world, and you can see the impact it's had on on cinema, especially. But I think there was more call for it then than there is now, just because of how big three uh, D was at the time, and it was like a the new technology within cinema. Um, it hasn't really kicked on to the extent that people thought it would. There has been exceptions to that. Um, films like Life of Pi and Gravity, I think, definitely were films that really enhanced. Uh, the viewing experience by them being in 3D, but I don't think we have that kind of connection with them anymore. But still, I mean, what uh, Cameron has been able to achieve with attracting an audience for a film like this, not once but now twice, is really, really impressive. And um, The Way of Water has been the runaway box office hit of the year and ended up being the third highest grossing film of all time behind the first Avatar and Avengers Endgame. And um, it is surprising for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, there isn't really like, there isn't sort of like that feeling of attachment to it where people can say something like Star Wars is or 
or Lord of the Rings or these kind of other franchises which tell like a story um f- over time like um as as an, as a continuing story this is like a straight sequel and the first one was a straight original film it doesn't have major stars particularly it doesn't sell itself on that and it just sells itself specifically as an experience and I think its appeal depends on what kind of thing you want from going to the cinema do you want a film that's sort of like takes you out of it and can be sort of one where you're just immersed in a different world um and and if that is your kind of thing um then th- this will be a film that will really like connect with you in that respect it's sort of like escapist um entertainment but if if you're looking for something that's more like grounded or or emotional or realistic to real life then yeah you're not really going to connect with this film at all um and that's fine i mean that i was certainly thinking towards the latter i think I, I don't think this film is that great at all i didn't find it particularly entertaining mostly because it's just a bit of a slog with it being uh three hours 12 minutes it's just it doesn't justify that that runtime um really with sort of the, the, the story it tells i think its storytelling is just enough just strong enough to sort of get away with it and it's i think it's mostly just a visual experience more than anything um yeah i don't think it's anything more than that i think what i'd liken it to is more like a video game and i remember when i put uh, when i first saw the film that my um review of it was just this is like going around someone else's house and watching them play a video game but you're not getting actually a chance to play it yourself sort of thing you're you're sort of shown all these impressive things that they can do in terms of the filmmaking experience and and how how great sort of it can look as a visual scale but past that i don't think there's anything really worthwhile to take from it um the film is nominated for considerably less um oscars than it was for its predecessor um so most notably it's lacking that um that nomination for uh director this year i think a lot of people thought that james cameron would get back in he's quite popular with the academy as i said before with uh titanic and also with the first avatar film i'm just going to double check how many nominations it got the first time around because i know it got um a fair few and it won quite a lot as well um let me just get that up accolades so it was nominated for a total of nine oscars it's gone out of four this year so that for the first one in 2009 the 2010 ceremony um it was almost in picture director uh, art direction which it won cinematography which it won it also won visual effects and also nominated in editing score sound editing sound mixing and visual effects of course with those sound categories combined at the moment um instead of being split that's obviously one uh, a nomination that's going to lack this time around and it is nominated for sound uh this year as well as being nominated as i said before for best picture also nominated for production design and visual effects which i think is its most likely not um most likely win i think it's an absolute slam dunk to win visual effects um production design i don't think so i think they'll go for something that's more traditional production design it's very hard to tell what's green screen and what's uh practical um production design and set design in this film uh this sounds pretty good but it's obviously competing with the likes of top and maverick and all quite on the western front i think are just stronger with production design i'd say something like babylon or elvis will be in a strong position uh because of their um period type of um 
production design and link for costume design nomination as well. If you don't have a costume design nomination, then you're less likely to win production design, but there is a strong combination between production design and visual effects. So that sort of enhances its chances for visual effects, which it will win 100%. Best picture, I think it's lucky to get nominated. I think it is one of the lesser nominees this year, and I think it's more of a populist vote, but I can definitely understand why it's sort of in that, um, in the category, especially in a year of 10, I don't think it would got would have got in, in a year of five, but in terms of representative of the year, I'm not against its nomination in a year of 10. So the second film that we're going to look at today is Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann and starring Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, um, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Helen Thompson and Olivia de Jong, uh, amongst others. And um, it's a biographical film of Turner Story of Elvis Presley. And the synopsis is as simple as the life of American music icon Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 1950s while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. And the film's also written by Baz Luhrmann and uh, as well as Sam Brommel and Craig Pierce. And it's a real showcase for what Austin Butler can do in this central role of um, as Elvis Presley. It's one of those real star-making performances and putting him in a strong position to win Best Actor this year. It's a really, really impressive performance. He absolutely smashes it uh, out of the park. And um, and yeah, that's a real sort of takeaway from the film because it isn't isn't the best. I think that's something that you sort of expect with Baz Luhrmann. He's not the greatest of directors. Um, he's a very showy director, which can make the argument that's, that he's fitting for uh, this this type of film, telling like a big, grand, sweeping story of Elvis's life. And it is a story that is definitely worth telling. And um, the way that it's done is through drama, great between, as I say, that central relationship between Elvis and uh, Colonel Tom Parker, which is played in the film by Tom Hanks. And there's some, there's been some people that have been questioning Tom Hanks' performance in the film, and it is very out there and very over the top. He has this very strange sort of Dutch accent in the film as well. And I, I don't get sort of the complaints too much with it because he's in a Baz Luhrmann film at the end of the day. I don't think you can blame someone for being over the top in a um, film directed by uh, Baz Luhrmann and it's the same with people saying that like Austin Butler's performance is one that's very grand as well it doesn't sort of rely on subtlety and I've seen some complaints in terms of the best actor category edging towards performances that are not subtle like so like it's expected it's going to be between Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser to win best actor this year um, I don't think Brendan Fraser is, a, is a over the top performance. I don't think the success of that performance in The Whale is his subtlety, but uh, people saying that sort of those two over someone like Colin Farrell or Paul Mescal or Bill Nye, who are lesser contenders in the category, um, shows that the Academy are just looking for sort of those broad performances, not prioritising the uh, subtle ones. But I, I disagree. I mean, I, I don't think you can be expecting a subtle performance when you're playing. Elvis Presley, who was such an out there kind of performer. And it's those performance sort of sequences which are the most impressive of the film. I mean, that's where Lerman sort of gets into his element. And um, Butler does a fantastic job in terms of his performances on stage, his great screen presence for someone that hadn't been in that many sort of lead roles in major films before to come out and 
give a performance that's that's like his in this film is really really impressive and I wouldn't be against him winning best actor this year um I think the film does lack a bit just because it is it's a bit over over overdrawn I think uh, clocking in at what is it two hours and 36 minutes again it it doesn't need two hours 39 doesn't even need to be that long um it can be sort of trimmed down a bit more to be a bit more concise and it's one of those ones where you sort of like it's film that you're really rooting for most of the time and then Lerman just goes and does something really stupid and out there and and sort of dialogue that doesn't really work or visual set pieces that doesn't really work or there's something just out of place like there's a scene where Elvis is walking down the street and suddenly Doja Cat starts playing and you're thinking why is there Doja Cat in a film set in the 60s I mean why can't it just be you've got the rights to the Elvis film, uh, Elvis soundtrack, just add as much of his songs in as possible. And that, that that's an advantage of the film as well, because the music is obviously as, as brilliant as you'd expect, because it is Elvis tracks at the end of the day. But I don't think it particularly works 100%. I think it's pretty mid, if I'm honest. And I'm surprised it's done as well as it has um, this awards season. Um, and it has done very well in terms of um, nominations this year. It's received, I think, eight in total, which is pretty good, including Best Picture, as I mentioned um, before, as uh, well as it's obvious with the episode. Um, does, does it play Best Picture? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. Um, but it has done very well all season. So it wasn't a surprise that it got in. It's just one that sort of like, when it came out in the summer, no one was expecting it to be a best pitch contender. And I don't think it is sort of like outdone anyone's expectations in terms of its quality, which would create an argument for it being a best pitch nominee. I find it very hard to believe that someone will put this in their top 10 films of the year. Um, I don't really get it really, but it's there. And in a year of 10, I guess it's not too bad. Uh, best sound, I think it's one of those ones that it would have been in real contention if it was still sound mixing and sound editing split and then would have a strong run in sound mixing but combining the two I think it's unlikely up against Top Gun Maverick and quite on the western front. Productions I don't think it has a very good chance in but I'm not too uh not 100% certain on it. I'd probably say Babylon edges it at the moment but it does still have a strong chance. Uh, cinematography is a bit of a surprise one it's actually become a stronger contender as the world season has gone on it is a very flashy film. Um, I don't think the cinematography is particularly sublime or outstanding in the way that All Quiet on the Western Front is, or even some of the films that aren't nominated in this category, something like um, Top Gun Maverick or Avatar The Way of Water, I think they have, and The Fablemans, they all have amazing cinematography, which wasn't nominated at all for, which I find odd. Uh, but um, it has a strong chance of winning. I would just edge quite on the western front at the moment but it has a chance uh makeup and hairstyling i think if austin butler wins best actor then it has a chance of combining the two in the same way that i feel like if brendan fraser wins best actor then uh, the whale could win in this category but um it's a tough call at the moment i'm thinking the whale is going to win because i think brendan fraser is going to win best actor but it could um switch the other way and elvis could win both i do think it's going to win costume design though um the costumes are as you'd expect, absolutely brilliant. And um, uh, that's something that Lerman really thrives with, sort of like the the the, the quite bright and stand, the, the costumes that stand out a bit are, are definitely something that he really, really thrives on, creating that sort of period setting. 
and um the, the clothes that I was wearing in the film was obviously are obviously uh really outlandish as you would expect and um film editing as well I think it's very lucky to get into that really really lucky because as I say it's a really long film that could have been chopped down a little bit I think it doesn't need to be a, that much longer than two hours and it goes on a bit too long and it could have been a bit more concise and a bit sharper and but then again it is a long film that sort of you you do retain your attention and focus for most of it so I guess in some respects it does a good job but it's not going to win over uh, either Top Gun Maverick or everything ever all at once things between those two but yeah the, the main talking point I think going into tonight is whether Austin Butler is going to win Best Actor he did win the BAFTA which was a bit of a surprise because I thought Colin Farrell would win there um it also he also won the Golden Globe for comedy and musical but Brendan Fraser does have that SAG award and critics choice so it's really really close Austin Butler might edge it just because Elvis is nominated for best picture and The Whale isn't but then again I don't think Elvis is that much of a better film than The Whale I've, I, actually I don't think it is a better film at all to be honest they're quite similar in terms of them being both quite mid um but I, I if I was putting money on it I'd say Brendan Fraser but Austin Butler definitely has a chance and again, as I say before, I wouldn't be against it. He's amazing in this film and he's a reason to watch it. And um, hopefully it leads to a really, really strong career for him. because He's still a relatively young actor and um, and he does an amazing job with this film. And we just see what he does next. Baz Luhrmann, less so. I'm not a big fan of him. Um, I, I, f I find him a very over-the-top and obvious director. And um, But... He definitely works for some people, and that's why he's had such a successful career as a director. So the third film we're going to be talking about is uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which obviously is directed by Steven Spielberg, and he's also a writer for the film alongside Tony Kushner. And the film starts stars Michelle Williams, uh, Gabrielle LaBelle, uh, Paul Dono, Seth Rogen, and Judd Hirsch. And the film is about... Um, the synopsis on IMDb saying growing up in post-World War II era Arizona young Sammy Fableman aspires to be a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth and it is based on Spielberg's real life so it's a semi-autobiographical film obviously the names have changed and he's waited this long to make this film about his life because he didn't want to make the film while his parents were still living. And the film is very much centred around um, his parents' relationships and relationship and how he sort of dealt with that growing up and also how he uh, became a director as well, which is a really interesting way of um, framing a, a film like this, a biographical film, because it's all done before his fame. And I think that really helps us connect with the character a lot more than you know showcasing their Hollywood life because we know a lot about that story anyway because we've seen his films over the years and this is his most personal film yet and I feel like it is one of his best as well um it's a phenomenal film I couldn't recommend it higher enough it's one of those films that's really well made but also has a real emotional core to it which is really important and it's helped by those central performances uh Gabriel LaBelle is a real breakthrough in this in the central role of Sammy Fableman um he's he's um one of those one of those performances which really like captures the idea of of what 
the character that Spielberg wants to create for himself as representing of himself as well when you see a very vulnerable side to him as well as one that's you can see the see the passion he has for his craft and and also the the um connection he has with his family as well um uh, and his chemistry with like michelle williams and paul denner are really impressive um i'm really really disappointed that um paul denner wasn't nominated for this role he's so overdue an oscar nomination now it's mad that he hasn't had one yet he deserves more praise within the film industry for being someone that's consistently good going even back to uh, other best picture nominated films like uh Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood these are incredible performances and I think he should have won the year of uh, Love and Mercy how he wasn't even nominated for that film is beyond me he was incredible as Brian Wilson and he does incredible work in this film as well as the dad of um uh, Sammy Fableman and we're sort of seeing him move away from those sort of like um um hard to describe those kind of performances you know like the ones he had in Lemon Sunshine where sort of young and naive into those father figure roles which are um which I think I think he really excels in and it shows his growth and maturity as an actor and you can also see that in Seth Rogen's performance as well um moving away from comedy I know he's done some drama before obviously with films like uh, 5050 and most notably with Steve Jobs um he does a really good job in a dramatic uh, performance in this film um as well as the two Oscar nominated performances, which we've got of Michelle Williams and Judd Hirsch. Michelle Williams is fantastic. There was some sort of debate on whether she's lead or supporting. Um, I do think she is the lead just because of the, uh, sorry, not the lead, but a leading performance, just because of how much she's in the film and how much it's centered around her characters as, as much as it is about uh, Sammy as well. And um, she gives a really, really nice performance about, which really, really sort of like, moves and changes as the film goes on which is shows her range and how impressive that is it reminds me of Patricia Arquette's performance which won Best Supporting Actress for Boyhood in uh, 2014 um yeah it's a really fantastic performance and she's a, such a great actress it's a shame that she's not in a position to win her first Oscar this year because she's really overdue and Judd Hirsch as well he's only in the film for about five ten minutes but he got himself a Best Supporting Actor nomination he's not going to win but it's nice that he's been nominated for this film. It's it adds a different dynamic to the way the film works, and also sees allows you to see a different side of Sammy as well in terms of the way that he's acting to towards his his uncle, um, who uh, Judd Hirsch plays in the in the film, uh, Uncle Boris. And it's now the biggest gap between um, nominations of actor before he hasn't been nominated since the 70s he's now nominated this year in supporting actor um the film's also nominated as the same uh in best picture which i think is very very well deserved it's not going to win but it's nice to see it there it's definitely a film that's a good representative for the year uh best director as well i mean there was some some sort of like idea that it had a chance uh, before the clear sweep that's going to happen with everything everywhere all at once that's going to take both picture and director this year um as i say actors supporting actor it's unfortunate that both michelle williams and George hirsch aren't going to win this year um i don't think i would have got my vote but they are undoubtedly strong performances um original screenplay is another deserving nomination, but again, isn't going to win because it's very much between everything, everyone all at once and Banshees of Insurance. 
Uh, original score means another nomination for John Williams, and it's great to see him back nominated in this category and back working with uh, Spielberg as well. I think their their sort of connection between the two of them really enhances enhances Spielberg's films and. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see him back nominated for yet another Oscar. And um, though I think it is going to be either Babylon or, or Quite on the Western Front winning. Um, original Scott, I'll probably bet on Babylon at the moment. And production design, I think, is also going to go to uh, Babylon. But again, it's good that it's got nominated here. I, as I say, I wish it got nominated for another sporting actor uh, nomination. I would have gone Dano over Judd Hirsch. Um, and also would have liked to have seen it in cinematography. But it's a, uh, it is what it is. It's a brilliant film. Uh, I love the ending of the film, especially. I definitely recommend people check it out. So the fourth film we're going to look at today is Triangle of Sadness, directed and written by Ruben Ursland. And the film stars Harris Dickinson, uh, Dolly De Leon, and uh, Woody Harrelson, most notably... Um, as the main like star name attached to the film, and also the late great uh, Shelby Dean, who's brilliant in this film, but sadly passed away before the film's release. Um, and the film is uh, centered around a fashion model celebrity couple that join an eventful cruise for the super rich. And it's another one of those sort of like parasite, the menu type of in vogue kind of uh, films that are supposed to be like parodies or or not parodies as such but sort of like social commentaries on on the upper class on the rich and their lifestyles and sort of breaking down that and playing on stereotypes and stuff like that um so it works as sort of like a black comedy though i don't think it is particularly funny um it was it's touted on the post as the perfect comedy for our times and i think it's very much trying to hit those sort of zeitgeist kind of ideas um and whether it's successful or not i think is uh down to your sort of own personal perspective on whether you think uh the film said good or not i guess um i think it's okay it's not amazing i think it's like three sort of like three films in one because it's set in parts um i don't think it needs to be like the final act i wasn't particularly on board with it felt like a completely different film um, but I like the bit before, especially the bits on the boat, I think were very smart and funny at times, but not overly uh, sort of laugh out loud sort of humour. Um, I think the performances are very good. It's well written in places and yeah, it, it works to a certain extent. I think it's got some neat ideas, especially in regards to how it approaches the idea of Instagram influencers and why people take cruises, those kind of things. I think are very smart, but ultimately I think it's uh, it's just okay rather than amazing. Uh, the film's nominated for three Academy Awards. It's nominated for Best Picture, which was a bit of a surprise. I did have it predicted, but it was sort of like an unlikely one. So I think it's towards a ninth or tenth slot um, if, if it was like a year of eight or something it might have missed out but um so towards the bottom of probably the expected nominations but um i think it got in based on the hype especially after coming out of the Cannes festival which won the palm door which is really odd as a choice i know they went i know parasite also won the palm door but also like you look at this film and you don't think like how is this How's this gone? Have you gone away from the Cannes festival and this has been like the number one film i find that uh pretty odd but 
so I guess so. Um, in a year of ten, it makes sense as a nominee as a nomination. But the big surprise, I think, was its best director nomination for Ruben Urson. I find that very odd, especially over someone like um, Edward Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front or Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick. I think it's quite fortunate to find itself in the best director category. But Ruben Urson's also nominated again in original screenplay. This was expected. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be its one and only nomination, but. Um, it's found itself in the nominations for original screenplay and has done all season everywhere. Um, it was also nominated at BAFTA in this category, as long as along with uh, supporting actress for Dolly De Leon, who just missed out on an Oscar nomination, I think, and um, casting as well, which isn't a category anywhere else. It was was um, it was able to get into the Golden Globe for Best Picture as well because of it competing in the comedy and musical category and that really helped its momentum get that best pitch nomination and three in total i think it's done it's done really well to be honest even though it did miss out in supporting actors it doesn't have much chance of winning original screenplay but it was its strongest nomination but i think it's like dead fifth for that um i don't think i'd really recommend the film as such um it's quite long as well i don't think it, again it's another one that's like the other films that we've discussed today i don't think it needs to be as long um but it's okay in places. Um, it, it just falls off a bit towards the end for me, and it doesn't have like a concrete conclusion, which would have been nice. Um, but if you're interested, uh, I think it's worth checking out um, just to take a take a chance on it. And the fifth and final film we're going to talk about today is Women Talking. The film is written and directed by Sarah Polly, and the film stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy. Jesse Buckley and Frances McDormand and the film tells the story of of um well this is the uh this is the idea of it so in 2010 the women of an isolated religious community grapple with reconciling a brutal reality with their faith and it has the tagline do nothing stay and fight or leave and basically it is that idea of as I saw someone put it the decision to leave it is whether the um, group of women are going to leave the colony or stay and this is a place where they've been abused a lot and it's whether they'll find themselves more safe if they move away from their homes at all but they'd have to do it by uniting together and making that decision to all leave as a group and um, it's a really interesting concept it's a really beautiful, beautifully written film and um, it's not a surprise it's been such a strong contender in the screenplay category but I think its filmmaking style lets it down a bit. Um, the uh, the aesthetic look is really bizarre. It has sort of like this this grey scale kind of look. It makes it look like it's a period film. When I was really surprised it was actually set in 2010 because it doesn't look like that um, at all. Um, it's pretty dull as well. I mean, a good thing about it is it's pretty short, so it's quite an easy watch, but it is pretty dull um, in general. Uh, the performances are okay. They're not given that much to do. It's a lot of like sitting around and and talking, which helps helps it make a stronger case for it being a strong writing film. And it is very dialogue heavy. I don't think it's one of those films that's films that's like, oh, you've got to rush out to the cinema to go and see. It's one that you can probably stick on at home in the background and um and not really take much more from it from uh than that i think it's something that's very face value and it's okay um not amazing uh ben Whishaw's also in this film as well and i find it a bit odd that a film like 
that's about women talking which in which the cast is 95 percent women seems to be a lot about a man i find that uh very odd uh but yeah it was a bit of a disappointing one it's a bit flat and just not that entertaining in general really um though does a film like that need to be entertaining i'm not too sure but then it wasn't as emotionally gripping as sort of other films of similar subject matter um in terms of its nomination for best picture it was a surprise because it's done very poorly throughout the the season i think when those sort of nominations were listed out on nominations morning people were expecting the whale to get that temp spot and so people saying it was they were pleasantly surprised to see women talking take that final slot i, th- I think they're pretty similar standard of films really i probably just prefer the whale just because it's i think more watchable and with that sort of front and brennan phrase being as good as it is um this is just just sort of like okay across the board rather than having something that's really great about it and then the rest being sort of average um it's just average across the board really and um adapted screenplay it's a it's a weak category this year um but i do expect it to win that especially as it's taken the wga and the um and the scripture awards uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see it win um adapted screenplay at all and that best picture nomination certainly does help its chances um i wouldn't necessarily recommend people see the film because it isn't like a fast moving one um but then again i don't think it's terrible either i think a lot of people will take something positive from the film but i think there's better films out there which touch on similar subject matter and that's that for um for this episode um thank you everyone for listening and i'll see you again soon bye